this morning. Uh, we're going to continue in our journey through the book of Matthew. Uh, last week, we looked at an incredible passage where Jesus taught his disciples and prepared them for persecution. And um, now we're going to meet John again, John the, the baptizer, uh, John the Baptist, uh, but he's in prison. And so let's turn our attention and our hearts to God's word um, in John chapter I'm sorry, not John, Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11. When Jesus had finished instructing his disciples, his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of a woman, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, The kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied unto John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah, who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came, neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. And the Son of Man came, eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Then he began to denounce the cities, where most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, Will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, 
it would have been it would have remained until this day but i tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of sodom than for you at that time jesus declared i thank you father lord of heaven and earth that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children yes father for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light the word of the lord for us today thanks be to god let us pray father we look to you once again and we thank you for your great and glorious word thank you for revealing yourself in the scriptures to us we ask that you would speak to us this morning. We ask that you would open our hearts and give us ears to hear. Uh, may we respond to your voice and your leading. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So here we are in this uh, really amazing passage um, and this amazing point in Jesus' ministry. Um, John the Baptist is in prison. Uh, if you recall, the last time we heard from John was back in chapter 4. Uh, John's ministry, um, it says here in uh, John chapter 4, verse 12, Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. So John's ministry was one of fire, one of um, striking words, uh, he remember if there's one word to capture John the Baptist, it'd be repent, repent. And his message was repent for the kingdom is here. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, and John uh, reveals so much to us about um, the Old Testament and where the Old Testament left off. But before we look at John specifically, I just want to give a brief outline of this passage. It can really be summed up in three words. The first word, doubt. John's doubts. The second word, and, that, and that's what, verses 1 to 6. Doubt. Uh, the second word would be disbelief. We see the disbelief of those in the crowds from verses 7 to 24. And finally, rest and the invitation of the Son and so doubt, disbelief, and rest. We'll look at kingdom expectations today. So we see John, he's in prison, and this chapter begins with verse uh, 1 with a transition verse. Matthew has many of these throughout the gospel. It says, when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples. So he just finished his second discourse in the gospel, the one to the disciples and it says he went on from there to teach and to preach in their cities. So John hears of what Jesus has been doing. Um, 
And uh, I don't know about you, but um, really a word to, to capture this is expectations, expectations, um, great expectations. So John's in prison for righteousness. John's in pri prison for preaching. In fact, in chapter 14, we learn why specifically he's in prison. Uh, he confronted Herod um, about breaking God's law. Herod took his brother's wife, and John called him out on it. And so John is at the, is, has been in prison for probably a year at this point. He didn't hear the, the he probably didn't hear the, the words that we just heard last week about being prepared for persecution, sheep among wolves, and being wise and harmless. Um, but he lived it. And John is enduring in per his persecution. He's enduring in prison. Well, uh, John heard about the deeds of Christ. He heard about the miracles. He, he heard the, about what Jesus has been doing. And he has a question. Verse 3, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Now, it's, it's hard to, to see this on the surface, but John is actually entering into a Bible study with Jesus. <laughs> um, when he says, are you the one who is to come, he's referencing uh, Psalm 118, uh, verse 26. It says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And John is asking, are you the one to come? Are you the one we're expecting, or shall we look for another? Have you ever had great expectations, or maybe, uh, I guess, different expectations? Maybe gone to an event or a party, and you were underdressed. <laughs> and you show up and think, oh, should have busted out my bow tie. Um, uh, funny story for me, uh, I don't know why this popped into my head, but... Uh, many years ago, uh, a friend and I were invited to an event, and uh, we were the musicians. We were the hired musicians. It was a church event, and we went. We didn't know uh, the lady, um, but we got an invitation through a third party, and we showed up for this event. We had our songs. We sang our songs, and um, we walked away not knowing what the event was. We didn't know if it was a birthday. We, did, we definitely knew it wasn't a funeral because the people were happy. We didn't know if it was a graduation party. We didn't know if it was, uh, I don't know, whatever. We just, we just picked up, you know. It was, it was a happy occasion. But um, my f friend Paul and I walked away thinking, uh, what, what, what was that for? Um, so for us, <laughs> we were not prepared enough for the event, and thankfully we weren't embarrassed um, on the spot, um, but everybody was talking about how great the event was, and we didn't even know what we were doing there. But, but John has expectations too. <laughs> he has expectations about the Messiah. He has expe expectations about Jesus, and he is well prepared. I, my friend and I, we were not well prepared for this event. Thankfully, we were fine. But John was well prepared. He knew the Bible. He knew the prophets. And so in the first century, many people, there's probably two groups, maybe more, but a large group of people expected that when the king came, when the Messiah came, God's Messiah, um, he would be highly militant. 
he would, uh, he would use military might, he would overthrow the powers, the political powers, and start a revolution. So many people had expectations of a revolutionary. The other group of people expected a holy man, a righteous man, who would proclaim God's kingdom and proclaim God's judgment. And uh, he would exercise God's judgment over evil. John falls in the camp number two, the group number two. He expected a holy man who would proclaim God's judgment and judge evil. Where do we get this from? Well, chapter three, remember, uh, he said to them in uh, chapter three, verse, um, let's see here, verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming uh, after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not ready to carry. He will baptize you, with, baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he is, will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the bar, uh, barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Three times uh, John references fire. Uh, here again verse 10 even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees every tree therefore that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire so John's question about Jesus are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another is quite striking because he's the forerunner he's the one who's going to prepare the way for the Lord. His question is, where is justice, Jesus? Where is judgment? And it's interesting how Jesus replies to him. Jesus replies to him with the scriptures. And it says here in verse 4, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor uh, have good news preached to them. Jesus is referring to, and really this Bible study is about uh, many passages in the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 35. Um, if we look at verse 4, this is probably what John is stuck on. Um, I'll start in verse 3. It says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not, behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. So John's saying, where's the vengeance? Where's the vengeance? Well, Jesus, when he references the blind shall see, tells him about the next two verses in Isaiah chapter 35, verses 5 and 6. He says, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. So Jesus essentially um, is saying, look at the scriptures, uh, John. And uh, John is wondering, you know, where is this axe? Where is the judgment? Um, when, Jesus, when was Jesus going to start swinging the axe? When will all the wrongs be put to rights? When will all the prisoners literally be set free? A reference to Isaiah 61. He sets the captive free. John is confused. He has doubts. Jesus, 
he's thinking you're, you're not necessarily acting like the son of God that was revealed in Matthew 3. Behold, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So pretend you're John for a minute. Um, and he's wrestling with all these questions. He's in isolation. He's alone and, and maybe confused by Jesus's ministry. Why did Jesus need to be baptized uh, if he wasn't a sinner? That's still confusing. Or, well, why didn't he take earthly power when he was tempted? Or why did he choose four fishermen? Why is he talking about um, not judging men for rebellion and peacemakers and loving enemies and praying for those who persecute you and doing good to those who are doing bad? He has doubts. And we all have expectations. Um, and sometimes our expectations do not fit with reality. And what do we do at that point? Well, Jesus points us to the word of God and he says, look back, go back and see what the word of God says. And then we need to adjust our expectations. And so John is uh, comforted uh, by Jesus by pointing him back to the word. And in fact, Jesus will judge. In fact, he's going to do it, start doing it right after he's done uh, calming uh, John's doubts. <laughs> the judgment's going to start. Uh, start speaking of it. And so, verse 7, uh, disbelief. As they went away, Jesus uh, began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Here we see that John, again, is, it, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. If you think about it, um, John and Jesus, they go way back. They go back to the womb. <laughs> uh, John was Jesus's cousin. Um, when they met, John leapt. Uh, um, it says in Luke chapter 1. And, uh, and, and, and all, the way, all the way back, uh, John's parents were Zechariah and Elizabeth. And they were in the, 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 they got to be a part of the temple system. And so John, it's really surprising because he completely uh, rebels against the religious establishment. He saw that it had become corrupt. And so he, the way that he dresses, the way that he looks is uh, he embodies repentance. He embodies uh, uh, a, a resistance to these things. So Jesus talks about John here, and this is a sermon on John the Baptist. And he quotes from Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, chapter 3, uh, verse 1. And in, in, if we look back in Malachi, it says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And Jesus says, this is who John is. He's my messenger. He's preparing the way. And then he says, truly, there's no one uh, that has been born of a natural birth that is greater than John. John, Jesus says, John is the greatest Old Testament prophet. But, but he says in, in verse 11, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And so Jesus says, the one who is born again is greater 
than the greatest person of natural birth. So Jesus talks about the, the new birth uh, greater, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than um, the greatest who is born of natural birth. In fact, Jesus goes on to talk about John the Baptist, and um, he says here that for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And so from Moses um, all the way up to John the Baptist, it, all of them were preparing the way um, for the one who is to come. Back to uh, John's question, are you the one to come? And then Jesus says in verse 15, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Striking words. He's, he would say these same words to the seven churches in Revelation. Uh, he who hears what the Spirit says. Um, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so Jesus is speaking here, and he says he actually is the Elijah who is to come. And if what is he talking about? You look at the last two verses of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the, children's, the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And then, uh, so, so what do we see here? The point is this, that the day of judgment is coming, and Jesus is going to start talking about it uh, much here. But Christ first brings the good news of his kingdom, and he brings the gospel to the poor, the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who realize their need for God. The poor must have the good news preached to them. And Jesus, this is Jesus' answer to John. Another point we learn from this is it's okay to have doubts. Uh, Jude, Jude 22 uh, tells us to be merciful to those who doubt. Uh, doubt is a normal part of the Christian journey experience um, intermittently. And, and, and we see this, you know, consider the psalmists, consider even the greatest prophets, Elijah, 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, after the prophets of Baal, Elijah was tired, worn out, uh, under death threat of Jezebel, and he despairs. <laughs> He's full of doubt. And so how do we, I don't know about you, but um, I think early on in my Christian walk, I wrestled with doubts when I was learning uh, different, different things about God's word. But it can also happen later in our lives. Our, our faith is complex. Um, consider the psalmists again. Psalm 13, Psalm 88, Job, for example, a righteous man walking with God. Um, and when we read the book of Psalms, we don't have to say, well, that's bad theology. You know, how long will you forget me forever? Um, what's happening there is real emotions, real feelings. That's real. That's true, and God gives us um, space to wrestle and doubt. Sometimes we're mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted. God understands that. And the way that he meets Elijah when he was weary was he gave him practical help. Sometimes just eating some food or taking a nap can really help us. 
But another thing, to, to those who are suffering, or if you have a friend who's suffering from doubt, um, do what Jesus did. Um, God is merciful to those who doubt. He pointed John to the truth, uh, and the truth will set him free. And then remember this, if you're ever doubting, to doubt your doubts as well. So hear God's word afresh, and be sure to doubt your doubts. So back here. Um, Truly abiding in God's word uh, is a cure for doubt. Jesus is in accordance with the Old Testament scripture, and Matthew's making this point. Um, And though Matthew uh, is showing us here, you know, John would never make it out of the dungeon. He did get out of the depths of his doubt. And so Jesus here gives a bit of a parable with these songs. Uh, We played the flute for you. We sang a a dirge or a funeral song. Um, Basically, John sang his sad song of repentance. And you said, he's crazy. He's mad. Uh, Jesus came and through his happy song of, of salvation, and, and you say he's immoral, he's a party guy, he's, he's a, a glutton, a drunkard. So God gave them John, and they did not repent. God gave them Jesus, and they did not repent. Were they fascinated? Yes, absolutely. The end of the Sermon on the Mount, they were astonished. Did they have faith? No. Were they curious? Yes. Did they have contrition? No. And so we see three cities here. And these three cities, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and uh, Capernaum, all form a triangle. So we could call this a tri-city disbelief. And Jesus sees here that disbelief, um, sometimes everybody has kind of a different sliding scale of, of sins and what is uh, really, really bad, (laughs) Um, murder, adultery, stealing, maybe parking in the wrong spot, or eating Krispy Kreme donuts, like people have different degrees of what is serious and, and sin, but Jesus at the top of his list is disbelief, disbelief, failure to trust Jesus, um, that's not at the top of many people's lists, but it's at the top of Jesus' list. And so we see here that Jesus comes down hard, really strong on these three cities. In fact, one of them is his adopted hometown. Uh, Capernaum is where Peter lived, where Jesus moved after he was persecuted in Nazareth. And he says, judgment is coming for you. Be warned. It's no trivial matter to, to hear and know much about the ministry of Jesus and God's word and to not believe. So Jesus is talking about John here, and he is talking about the coming judgment for those who disbelieve. And he says, they would not repent. They did not repent. Um, We all have expectations, um, and God does too. (laughs) That's something we see in this passage. We all have expectations, and God does too. He expects humans to repent and believe because he has done something greater than our greatest expectations. He sent the, prof- the prophets, Moses, to John the Baptist, 
They prepared the way. They, they tell us what to expect. And as we study the Old Testament, we can see clearer how Jesus fulfills these expectations. Um, in the fullness of time, God sent his own son to teach, to perform miracles, to be lifted up on a cross, to rise from the dead, all before eyewitnesses. Yet, too often we are like these children these, that, that, that want more. <laughs> we want, um, God played, played this song, God played that song, but we're like spoiled, spoiled children. We want more. What wedding song do we need to hear until we'll start dancing? What funeral song do we need to hear before we'll start crying? So one principle we see from here is that the Word of God and the Son of God are enough and should be enough for all of us. In fact, in Luke's gospel, um, Jesus tells the parable about the rich man and Lazarus. And the, uh, the rich man says, just, just send me back to my brothers and I'll warn them. And Jesus, you know, basically send me back, let them see a miracle, and then they will believe. And Jesus says, if they don't believe Moses, if they don't believe the prophets, they will not believe even if you go, come back from the dead. The word of God is enough. And Jesus and what he has done and what he is showing us here today, this is enough for us to repent and believe. And so a few um, applications for us today, and then we'll close with this amazing passage, uh, the invitation of rest. Uh, a, a few ap applications here. Let the word of God sink in. Um, what does this mean? What does it mean for us to listen and not hear? Jesus said, um, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So often we listen, but are we really hearing? Secondly, uh, are you do you have doubt? Are, are you anxious? We can find peace and joy through acknowledging that God is working in our circumstances. And so let's look here at the end, uh, 25 to 30. It's a strange place for this passage. Uh, Jesus has finished, uh, just said uh, his com ju judgment is coming for those who do not believe. And then he utters and declares a prayer, uh, this vocalized prayer. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Five times Jesus says, Father, in these few verses. Something just, just remarkable. And, and right here, Matthew, um, Matthew wants to show us that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the, probably, the, for Matthew, you can't talk high enough or think high enough about Jesus. Um, this is really close, this passage is really close to John 1.1 and John 1.14. Uh, In the beginning was the Word. Jesus is aware of who he is his unique relationship to the Heavenly Father, and he has come. He's been sent of the Father. And so um, let's look at this just one more time. Uh, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. 
Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Um, Jesus is standing in, in contrast to this religious stream, the expectations of the first century day. The, the Pharisees, the scribes, they taught one way, and they were teaching a way that laid heavy burdens on the people. Um, uh, Matthew 23, verse 4, um, it says, They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear. They lay them on the people's shoulders. They're not willing to use their finger to lift the burden at all. And instead, in stark contrast, as Jesus says, Come to me, all you are laboring, you're striving in this performance-based approach to your relationship with God. Um, and I will give you rest. The religious leaders of the day did not give rest to the people. They, they made life harder for them. Jesus comes with his message and with his person and gives us rest. He lifts us up with the gospel. And then this imagery is farm imagery. Um, take my yoke upon you. Uh, it's for two animals. They would wear this wooden yoke. Um, and Jesus is saying, be attached to me. Be attached to me and I'll carry the heavy load. <laughs> um, and then he also says, learn from me. And so we can see that teaching and learning are really important in the Christian life. And that's what it means to be a disciple, to learn from Jesus. And so we need to be attached to Jesus, learning from him, treasuring his every word and responding to it. And then he reveals his heart again, one of compassion, one of gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, is your yoke uh, easy and your burden light? Um, we can be reminded that Jesus gives us an open invitation. Come to me. Listen intently to this invitation. Come to me and I will give you rest. Uh, one thing to close on is last week um, as we looked at this passage in, in Matthew chapter 10 it said do not fear people but fear God and that will heal and get rid of all of our fears um, un, our sinful fears that is well uh, Jesus shows us something about God that we wouldn't get without him um, when Jesus comes, he talks about God as Father, 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 Father in this passage. And if we didn't know God as Father, we would only know him perhaps as King or Creator. Um, but when we know that, we would, we would know that God is great, uh, but we wouldn't necessarily know that he is good. And Jesus comes and shows us that God is good. God is compassionate. God is merciful. And so this changes everything. When we know God is Father, it changes everything. And this has been the case and testimony of, of people time and time again in history. Um, Martin Luther, uh, for example, he saw a lightning storm. He was terrified of God. He was a monk. He worked hard. He labored. He did everything he could to try to please God. And he said, love God, love God. I don't love God. I hate God. But then he came to know that God is Father, and that changed everything. Um, 
another person, Spurgeon, uh, before he was a believer, before he knew God, uh, his compassion, and his fatherly care, he was terrified of thunderstorms. But then after that point, he would run out, whenever there's a thunderstorm, he'd run out to the fields and just praise God and, and thank him that you are the wonderful creator and you're my father too. And so come to Jesus. Um, so let's close in prayer this morning. Uh, Father, thank you so much um, for this passage. Thank you that you show us doubt, um, that our expectations need to be realigned. Uh, we need to hear your word afresh and uh, change. We need to change our thinking. That's the essence of repentance. And so help us to, to be ongoing in our, our thinking, in our hearts, that we are changing and aligning with your kingdom and with your grace. Um, secondly, thank you for sh warning us of disbelief. Uh, you have sung a great song. You have come and given us the word of God and the son of God. Help us to respond with repentance. And thank you for your invitation for rest, Jesus. Thank you for revealing yourself and revealing the Father to those you choose to reveal the, uh, to. Um, Father, I pray that we would hear your voice, all of us, uh, this morning and come to you and receive the rest we need. Many of us are weary and tired and heavy laden and we have expectations in our own life, expectations about the pandemic, but help us to find our rest in you and help us to follow your lead, to be attached to you, Jesus, and to learn from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.